Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. I don't know, you're probably not aware of this, uh, but when we upload our sermons, podcasts, that kind of deal, because you've shared them and they kind of get tossed around, uh, in the last uh, eight or nine months, there's been 4,110 downloads um, in the last eight months. Now, it's, it's probably true that half of those are my mother. Um, which is a shot to the ego, unfortunately. But, um, but I do want to encourage you, it, whether you like the sermon or not, um, like share it for the, simple, for the simple reason. That's an opportunity. It's free. It's free uh, airspace that we can, take, we can take the message of Jesus. We can throw it somewhere. You know, we can put it out there and say, you know, hey, take it here. Somebody will, somebody will click and listen, and we hear it all the time. Here's what's crazy is it's over multiple devices and over several different countries, these things keep getting tossed around. So it's kind of interesting. Um, and I don't think that has anything to do with me or, or, or my preaching ability, but the simple fact that I think the world is hungry for information of some kind, something that is something that will matter, make a difference in my life, that will challenge me in some way. And so uh, appreciate you, appreciate you doing that. Um, also, in, in the same vein as that, if there is a topic... Something that comes up, something that we talk about, something that, we, uh, that I say or Luke says or something that you see or, or a question that you have that has something to do with church, um, write it on a piece of paper and stuff it in the uh, tithe and offering box in the back, okay? If there's a spiritual conversation that you would like to open up some dialogue and have, um, write it down on a piece of paper, fold it, and stuff it inside that box and we'll do a we'll do a podcast on it if there is a question that you have had since puberty and you were too embarrassed to ask your mom or dad write it on a piece of paper stuff it in the offering box and luke will tend to that as soon (laughs) as he gets time to that would be awesome that would be be awesome so he'll get right to that he he loves that kind of stuff that's uh, right, right up his alley. If you want to see him turn a sp- like a really, really cool shade of red, like just say something like that, write it down, like, like it immediately, just like, oh, look, he looks like a plum. It's awesome. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, I have a Wednesday night service. We don't have a Sunday night service. So if there's a thing that you want to talk about, we can, we can put it together. We can have conversation. We can put it on, a, on the podcast. Um, I can try my best to cover it. We can put it out, and that'll that'll give you some sort of encouragement uh, through the week. It's also very encouraging for me too, uh, to kind of know where we are and what we what direction we need to go. That's uh, that's good feedback for me. So if you have questions, stuff them in the box. That'd be good. Um, I have two questions before we get rolling our sermon today. Two questions for you, and I need you to kind of think through these things. And don't say, and this is the rule, okay? Here, this is the rule: no cheesy church answers, okay? None, like. Okay, so who's made the most impact in your life? God, Jesus, Moses, Noah's Ark. Like, we don't need that, all right? That's, that's, don't do that. Like, real, like, real life, like, real life answers, okay? So, what is the most thoughtful gift that you have ever received? Question number two, who has had the most influence on your life for your spiritual formation? Now, this one, you can say your mom and your dad or, you know, whoever else, uh, but who has had the most impact on your life for your, sport, your spiritual formation? Most, um, 
Most people have a collection of individuals who have impacted them some way. I have some that have been great, who have impacted me on a very, very positive side. I've had some who have impacted me on the other side, and that produced fruit in my life because I was challenged in ways that I didn't appreciate. And so there's these people that exist, and our responsibility is to grow and to move forward. Okay, uh, I want to introduce you to the writer Luke. We're jumping from Jesus stories in the book of Mark to Jesus stories in the book of Luke. So this is Jesus stories from Luke's perspective, but I want to introduce you to who Luke the writer is, okay? So let me give you a few things. He is the most evangelistic, the most evangelistic writer of all of the gospel writers. By evangelistic, that's a, that's a, church, that's a church word. Um, if you're not familiar with it, here's what it means. Um, to go out and to make converts. Euangelion is the Greek, and it's the idea to herald good news. Luke's, Luke's uh, gospel is the most evangelistic. It is always reaching out to the foreigner, those outside of Judaism. Luke's gospel looks down the road and says, I think, I think more people should, should come into this. People of all different kinds of races and colors and, and backgrounds, like those people should come in. And that's Luke as a writer. He's also the only one who was a Gentile, only gospel writer who was a Gentile. He is also the longest gospel writer, writes more verses than the other ones. This is the gospel of Luke. Um, gospel of Luke is also the only one that has a sequel. You read Matthew, you don't get to read Matthew part two, okay? You don't get to. What happens after the ascension? Matthew's like, I got tired. Yes, Mark, what happened? Like, I got busy. You get to Luke, and Luke is just like, hey, here it is right here. John doesn't offer us one either. John offers, John offers us a, an apocalyptic sequel in the book of Revelation. So we get the gospel of John, then we get Revelation. But as far as what happens after the ascension of Jesus, Luke's like, you want to know about the church? Yes. Ah, book of Acts. Luke contains more stories about Jesus at meals, eating dinner, eating at people's homes than any of the other gospels. Isn't that interesting? That in Luke's mind, if you want to sit down and you want to make friends and you want to spend time with somebody and you want to have a true spiritual experience, you know what we need to do? Eat. Who's with me? Absolutely. I'm in. You bring the friggin' Doritos and you bring some cheese dip. We're doing this thing. Yes, this is what it is. In Jesus' mind, in, as far as Luke is concerned, it's all about the meals. In fact, 19, what I read, 19 different times Jesus is standing around where there's a buffet, okay? Jesus hanging outside the sirloin stockade all the time. Big old sandwich sign preacher outside the golden corral. Like, that's his thing, you know? In Luke's mind, it's all about the meals. Um... But did you realize this? And this is probably the coolest part, and this will kind of be a launch pad for where we're headed. The Gospel of Luke was not intended to ever be something that we would study. Wasn't intended for that, not at all. It was a letter written to a friend. 
Now, I want, you to, I want you to get your head around this for just a second. The Bible is the number one top-selling book in the history of the world. You with me? In, in print, more than anything else has ever been in print. The Gospel of Luke exists inside of that. But it was addressed to one specific person. When I ask you, what is the greatest, most thoughtful gift you've ever received? Imagine if you're the recipient of this letter, the Gospel of Luke, where somebody sat down and remembered the every single detail they could possibly think of. They did investigative reports. They did interviews. They sat down and filled out timelines. They read other people's recordings of Jesus' life and hand wrote this whole entire story to a fellow Greek, potentially Jew, and gave it to him and said, I'm kind of a guy that's kind of got to deal with details, so I wrote this for you. But that's not it. That's not where it stops. Remember, I said there was a sequel. You know what that was? The second letter that he wrote to his friend. In Luke's mind, get your head around this. This is so cool. In Luke's mind, he was... He was thoughtfully thinking of his friend, his eternal salvation, and how I desperately want my friend to know who Jesus is. So I will sit down and I will pin the story. I will, do all the re I will do all the research and I will pin this story and I will send it to him. Here we are, 2,000 years later. This letter has been in print more times. See, here's why it's different than like the epistles. When you go into the Bible, First uh, and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of these, First and 2 Timothy, this is the way these went. A lot of those were written as letters, and they were given to churches, and so you bring the letter into the church, and you read it. This is from the Apostle Paul. I would like to read you this letter. And you read this letter. Now, take this letter and trade it with the church in Berea. They have a letter I wrote them. Trade letters, and then read this one. Luke's? No. Listen how this starts. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. Therefore, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. And it seemed good to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that, here's the reason why, you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. Dear Theophilus, I went ahead and wrote you this letter so that you would be certain about the things you've been told about Jesus. You want to talk about a spiritual impact? You want to talk about seeing somebody the spiritual formation of somebody's life just change by receiving letters like this? This is background, deep, behind-the-curtain, secret information, and Luke has put it all together and handed it over to one individual. That's pretty incredible. What is the most thoughtful gift you've ever received, and who has impacted you the most in your spiritual formation? I want to talk to you about a few things. I have a few slides. Do we have some slides up there? Rock band, show me that, that very first one, that main, the main one. Um, 
I'm going to use scripture, but we're going to be all over the place uh, through the Bible today. This is going to be very teachy. I really like sermons with the experience. Let me tell you a story. Let's all go there and wander around the mountain together like I love that. But this is very teachy because I think there's some things that we need to kind of focus in on uh, this morning. Um, so, let's, uh, so let's take a look. When it comes to us sharing our faith with other people, how many of you have a sudden feeling of um, like stress, anxiety, oh, I'm going to be marked a weirdo? Let's just, let's just be honest. Oh, yeah, two of you? Whatever. Okay, I'll preach this to me then, all right? This whole idea that we are to go out there and share our faith and to be a witness for other people can, can come with quite a bit of anxiety. Can come with this whole idea that, number one, you probably shouldn't use my life as an example of how you should live your life. That's one option. You probably shouldn't model your language after my language. You probably shouldn't model the way I parent after... Uh, uh, model the way you parent after the way I parent. There's these different things that come up. We can feel kind of stressed. Also, here's another one. Cold calling, knocking on doors. Have you ever had that experience? Sitting at home, Sunday afternoon, right? You just finished eating. Your tummy is full. You're watching some TV. And there it is. <laughs> Who the crap is that? You go to the door. And there it is, right? Um, hello, uh, can I talk to you about the Lord? No. I would rather you not. Full, you know, sleepy, I'm trying to take a nap. You don't want to be a terrible person, but this is true. Or Saturday morning early, good morning. Hi, I was sleeping in, get off my stoop, you know. It gets this way, you can get a little irritated. And so when you put yourself on the other side of the door, it's like, heck, No. Here's the thing. I don't think the message of Jesus was meant to be this battering ram used on Sunday afternoons and, and, and uh, Saturday, Saturday mornings. I don't think that was the intention. I think it was something that was supposed to happen more organically. See, here's what, here's what I think happens. I think when sometimes people become a Christian, they come up out of the water and they feel as if they have to put on prosthetic arms, like a prosthetic body, and then they have to like live out their Christian life in this almost mechanical and rigid way. Otherwise, they're going to either disappoint the Lord, right? Or they're going to hide. And so what happens is a lot of times Christians get very, very abrasive with their approach. Hi, can I talk to you about Jesus? I know you probably don't want to hear about it. Okay. Can you dial it down just a little bit? So how do we share our faith? What are the things that are important when it comes to us being evangelistic, like Luke? Look at the way Luke is reaching out to this man, Theophilus. Number one, it's with a letter. He writes him a letter. When's the last time you got a handwritten letter? Awesome, isn't it? I get one, oh, every couple weeks, once a month. From a, from a friend of mine who she writes and she encourages me like a mom, like a spiritual mother. And she writes me all these nice things and she always writes something about how, well, you know my handwriting's not very good and I can read every word. I can read every word. 
I don't ever question. And she tells me about her day, and she tells me about her kids and her grandkids. And she says, oh, you did such a good job on Sunday, and that was such a great verse, and it reminds me of this verse. And it's just this wonderful thing. And if you want to talk about how to make time stop in people's lives, I do not look at Facebook. I turn off the music. I open up this envelope, and I sit down at my desk, and I just read it. And I take the time to read it. Why? Because it's important, because somebody took the time to write it. It's beautiful, and it means the world. Why in the world does Christianity and sharing our faith have to be this battering ram? It doesn't. I think it was intended to be more organic, to be more caring. Number one, the first thing we have to deal with is the heart. We must be connected and convinced of God's heart concerning the lost. We get the, we get the next one, uh, D-Rock, right here. Heart. Um, we have to be convinced of the fact that this is what God is wanting to do. God wants to get the message out. Now, here's what you will hear in a lot of places. If you had the cure to cancer, would you keep it to yourself? Have you heard that? Well, then if you have the cure for sin, why aren't you sharing it? And you leave church like, I'm a terrible person. That's not the goal. That's not the goal. The goal is for us to grow. We need to be fully convinced of that this is, this is God's agenda. He wants to tell people about himself, about his son, about peace. He wants to grant them contentment. He wants to heal their brokenness. He wants to bring them to the table. That's what God wants to do. Christians are the ones who turn, this other, turn it into something different. Well, I think if we scrubbed them down real good, maybe they'd fit right in. Isn't that how Christians work a lot of times? Well, I think if we knock the rough edges off, they'd be fine. Yeah, because that's your job? Because you're a dynamite chisel, aren't you? Right? No. It's not our job. Number one, uh, this means that we must be faithful followers of Jesus. When Jesus would talk to the teachers of the law, this is the way he would say it. You are hypocrites. You load people down with burdens and you stand in the way of the door of the kingdom. You yourself are not trying to get in, but you keep other people from getting in. Our responsibility as far as Christian, being a Christian is this. We have to be faithful to the cause and the mission of Christ. We have to be faithful to that. We cannot be hypocritical. Our heart has to be in the right place. Next one is this. If we are followers of Jesus, then we are committed to the word. Here's what I absolutely love and despise about where we are uh, as a culture, uh, specifically the church. The church is excellent at offering the truth. We're not awesome at offering um, love all the time but then there's these times to where we decide we're going to offer love and what do we do with the truth we sacrifice the truth here's something that we need to keep in mind we have to be faithful to God's word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word the word is logos word and when it's talking about the word, who is it talking about? Jesus. So Jesus is God's word personified. Now here's what I absolutely just hate about culture and, and our culture, church culture, even, even where we are as a, as a country. 
We've gotten to this place where like, I really love Jesus, but some of his words are kind of like broken and messed up. Some of, some of the Bible is dated and we should toss it out. Jesus is the word personified. What part of Jesus do you want to hack off of his body? Just go ahead and let me know. Jesus, I think you're cute, but I'm going to go ahead and take that chin down. Jesus, I think you're a great guy, but you know what? I don't know that you need your right arm. It kind of imposes on the way I want to live my life. Oh, okay. He's the word personified. We are, we are faithful, committed, devoted to the word of God as well. Third thing is this. We proclaim the truth in love. Let me read you this verse in four, uh, Ephesians 4. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 15. It was he, is that right? Yeah, Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Did you hear that? Now listen close. He gave some spiritual gifts. He's given everybody spiritual gifts. But these abilities to be able to teach inside the church to empower the who? What's it say? Prepare God's people for works of service. Is it my job to, make, to go out and to make disciples and you don't have to? No. The mission to preach was given to all of us. That's our responsibility. All of us. We'll be held accountable for that. That's what we were told to do. Okay? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body, um, so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Here we go. Here's the best part. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and every cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Our responsibility is to continue to move forward, like we were talking about with men earlier, to grow, that we have to be moving, we have to be developing, we have to be changing. And one of those things is this, we learn how to speak the truth in love. The Christian position on truth or love, pick one, is always no. I cannot pick one, truth or love. My command, the command that God has given us that I, have to, that I have to obey, that you have to obey, is no, I do not choose one or the other. I say yes. Truth or love? Yes. Yes. That is my position. As Christians, that is our position. We have to be willing to say, yes, this is the truth. And I love you. And I absolutely hate that this compromises you. I'm in the same boat as you. This is the truth. And the truth does not mean that that changes my reaction to who you are. That's our responsibility as Christians. We cannot sacrifice the truth for people's feelings, all right? At the same time, in as much as that is a true statement, we do not take the truth and beat people to death with it. Truth made by Louisville Slugger. No, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. The next thing that we have to address is this. Time. When it comes to time, we must be willing to give ours. Ugh. 
We must be considerate of others' time, and we must be aware of God's timing. Now, let me be very, very transparent with you. You can have anything I have, but I really want to keep all my time. Like, I'm just being 100% honest. Can I have your money? Oh, my wife's going to be mad, but you can have it. Um, do, you want, do you want to go spend like a week with me somewhere? No, I don't. I do not want to do that. It'll be fun. I'm sure it won't. I'm sure it won't. We're going camping. I'm not going. It'll be fun. It won't be fun. I don't, I'm not interested. Why? Because I'm selfish when it comes to my time. I'm selfish. For me, that's the thing that I have to overcome. Why? Because people need time. They need your time. You cannot develop a relationship with somebody without time. And if you do, it's superficial. It takes time. You have to be able to see each other in their brokenness. You have to see each other in your brokenness. To develop a relationship in their high points to develop a relationship in the morning when they don't have makeup you know and in the evening when they don't smell right you know this is what it takes because time requires uh, for, for a relationship to work it requires time on our end we must share our greatest resource and our greatest resource is time and we do not like to share our time um, the story of us sharing our faith is not just sharing our faith do you want to know why Christians fall short in sharing their faith because they only want to share their faith that's right that's the only that's the only thing they want to share we don't want to share our money because that's mine I worked for it go get a job stop being lazy stop killing us stop killing the whole system stop mooching off of everybody else right this is where it goes Am I right we don't want to share our money some of you do, you're good at it. We don't want to share our time. We don't want to share our family. We don't want to share our home. Here's, a t here's another tough one. Uh, Christian families, Christian families. Do you realize that we have to share our children? We have to share our children. There's times that I send my little ones out of the home and they're going places that are new to me and I'm having anxiety attacks, you know? I don't know their mom and dad. I'm going to do a FBI background check. I'm going to get this figured out right now. You know, like, well, they're a police officer. Probably a dirty one, probably corrupt, you know. And this is what happens as a dad, you know. But we have to share. Part of the reason it's hard for us to share our faith is because we don't share our life. We don't share our brokenness. We don't share our sins because we are so polished, am I right? The minute we can say, yes, I, 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 have, I have sinned in my life. Do you want to come over to my house, eat dinner? We'll sit and uh, talk about how crappy I am and uh, we can visit, you know? See, things change then. It requires time. Romans chapter 12 says that we take our bodies and we offer them up as a living sacrifice. Our bodies incorporates our time, not just our faith, our time, our money, um, our homes, our children. For me, time. Time is, a, time is a tough one for me. Second thing is this. We must be aware of God's timing in other people's lives. There are times it is just not the right time. People are not there. And you can try to share your faith and you can try to talk to somebody. You try to invite them to church and it's just not happening. They are just 
They're cold. They're not interested. You have to be aware of the fact that this is about timing. Sometimes, I don't know if you've realized this, many of you will be like, oh, that's how I got here. Sometimes it takes us falling down, screwing up most of our life before we're like, I ought to go to church. But we also have to be aware of the fact that God has put eternity. Ecclesiastes says this, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Here's what that means. Every single person in the world has this God-shaped hole and they will be completely dissatisfied, discontent, <laughs> until God fills this hole. It's always happening. God is actively working in the lives of people all the time. So we must be ready in season and out of season. This is what Paul told Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season to give a defense for your faith. What is yours? If somebody would put you on the spot right now, why are you a believer? What is your reasoning? I don't mean scientifically. I mean, what is the story? Why are you where you are right now? Does the story have to be finished? Well, here's the thing. When the Lord came into my heart, I haven't sinned since. Super. You should probably go to a different church. You're not going to like it here. <laughs> You're not going to like it here at all. No, the story isn't finished. And with Christians, we try to rush to the end. Ever since Jesus came in, everything's just been so good. Really? Because that has not been my experience. When I met Jesus, like, okay, it's good. But it seems like the further he and I walk, the more I'm more confused I get, you know? The story isn't always finished, so it doesn't have to be symmetrical and have this cute little ending on the end. It doesn't have to have that. This is where I'm at right now, me and the Lord. Today we are good. If you would ask me two weeks ago, he and I were in a fight and we weren't talking. He was. I wasn't listening, though. That's the way it goes. That's the beauty of being a Christian is we are on a journey. We are traveling. We are followers. You see, the whole thing is always in motion. And that's where we are. We must be ready in season and out of season. Third thing. How are we on time? We're good? Good for a second? Third thing is this, the map. We must remember that God is always actively working in the lives of others to bring them to faith, right? Okay, here's the next part, though. Through our personalities, through our gifting, and supernaturally, God is working and his map for us to do this has everything to do with where you work, your personality type, the job that you have, who is in your family. Like this is part of it. It is so organic. Luke reached out to one person, Theophilus. Maybe there were more. Maybe there were more. We know he joins up on some missionary trips later on in the book of Acts when the verbiage changed from Paul, Paul, Paul to we, we, we. And we realize that Luke is now there with him. So Luke has done some traveling and some preaching. But this letter to Theophilus, this is him. His one person. <laughs> See, when I look at the idea that we need to evangelize the world, we need to go out and we need to make disciples. You know what just makes me absolutely insane? Is the number of people in the world and how many of them are not in church, how many of them do not believe, they've made no commitment for Christ, and I think we're never going to win. We're never going to win. Here's Luke. He writes two letters to one friend, and it's the most published book in the entire history of the world. 
these letters have made more converts than probably Billy Graham times 10. This is incredible. Absolutely incredible. The focus is this. Who is in front of me now? Who do I need to pray for now? Who is the one person in your life that you need to be praying for that they come to faith? And do you pray for them daily? Do you don't think God will answer that question? Let me explain something to you that you know to be true. If one of your children came in and said, you know what, Dad, I need to tell you something. Okay, what's up, Allie? Brooklyn is a good, good girl. She's all right, you know. No, she's really, really good. I'm really proud of her. I really want good things for her. Okay, she's not that great. You can dial that down a little bit. No, Dad, she is a very, very good person. You know what she said the other day? She said this and this and this. Here's what I think should happen. Dad, here's what I think should happen. I think we should get her a brand new bicycle. What about you? I don't know. I've got a bike, but I think we should get her a brand new bike. Really? Yes, she is a good girl. When I meet her friends, they're all annoying, and she's not. (laughs) I've met most of them. That's true. That's a true statement. Yeah, it's true. She's a good girl, Dad. You should get her a new bike. She would love that. She was just saying the other day how she, what do you think I'm going to do as a dad? Whatever you think we should do, let's do. Do you not think God would respond the same way? Because here's what my prayer sounds like. God, I'm so depressed. God, I'm so frustrated. God, this situation's making me crazy. God, me, 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 me. And I'm sure God is looking at me like, just let me know when you're done. You got somebody else. Yeah, I got the recording the first time, all right? I can play it back if I want to hear it again. You want to talk about anybody else but yourself? Let me know. How much of a difference would that make in the life of the people around me? That's pretty incredible. Praying for those who are around us makes a world of difference. Here's another one. Scripture. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. That when the Holy Spirit comes, he will remind you of all of the things that he has said. Here's what this suggests. That if we sit down and we read scripture and we learn scripture, in certain situations, when the timing is right, the Holy Spirit inside of us, inside of the believer, will say, hey, remember when Jesus said this? And bring to mind passages of scripture. It's like a Rolodex. How cool is that? This one. Wow, that's way weird. Reminds me of this passage. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's another way that God is moving. That's another way that, we, that God is mapping out somebody else's life. Uh, last one, or I mean, the third one, personality. Uh, I think a lot of times with Christians, there's this idea that um, after we come up out of the baptistry, that we are not necessarily a new creation, but we get a, tr- a personality transplant. Now we're boring. Am I right? Like, oh, he got religion. He's no fun. Sure. That's the way the the world sees it. That's 100% the way the world sees it. Listen, God made you weird for a reason. It's true. He made you the way you are, all weird and jacked up, the way you are, for a reason. I don't mean all sinful and weird. I mean, like, just weird. Like, you have these weird personality things, the things you love. That's you. Those are to serve a purpose in somebody else's 
life. Last one is this, spiritual gifts. Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gift that you were given when I laid my hands on you and I prayed for you. Fan into flame. We all have spiritual gifts. We all have these things that God has given us, these abilities that we go out into the world and we use them for the people that are out there. This is what they're designed for. They strengthen the church. They bring more people into the fold. That's the design. And God has given us these gifts. Our responsibility in that is to learn how to fan into flame. Best way to do that, be in church, commit yourself to church, and spend time with people who can say, I really like that thing about you. That's really cool the way you do that. Like that is a strong, strong gift. Spend time with people who are going to be complimentary. Okay, last one. We'll go, we'll go quick so that we can, can bounce out of here. Last one is this, light. We must remember that all we do is a reflection. Everything we do is a reflection of something. The moon has absolutely no illuminating properties. Are you with me? It's a rock floating in space, right? Yet at nighttime, something different happens. We are no different. You are the reflection of the sun. Our responsibility is to be the reflection of the sun. If that's not happening, then there's something in the way. There's something, there's something, there's something wrong. That is our responsibility. Matthew chapter 5 says this, a city on a hill cannot be hid. This is going to sound weird when I say it. Years and years and years ago, I was driving through Utah, um, and we went by uh, Salt Lake City. And I don't know what it was, but when I was, I was asleep and I woke up in the car and I looked out the window and Salt Lake City, the lights of the city were reflecting off of the Salt Lake and like in purple hues, like in my mind, purple hues and yellow. It was the coolest, it was the coolest thing. It was so bright. It was such a neat thing to me. Jesus says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. At my house, about three miles outside of town, I can see the city lights of Iola. And so when it gets cloudy, it illuminates the sky. It's really cool to me. Our responsibility in the life of other people is, life of other people is to be a light. That's what we're supposed to do. Be a light. That doesn't necessarily mean that you walk in the door and be like, can I share Jesus with you? Every single time. We cannot underestimate the power of a smile, a hello, a kind word, or compliments. Our countenance is a reflection of the hope and the joy that we have inside of us, right? And so if you're just like, going to church, no wonder, no wonder the people around you are just like, I love your Jesus. He's so melancholy. No one's saying that. No one. No one is saying that. Like we cannot. Now listen, I'm not saying don't be, don't be, don't be real. Be honest. If you're having a bad day, say I'm having a bad day. But listen, you can't have 365 of them in a row, okay? For like four years straight, you can't. Like you want to do this thing? Fine. It's good. Breathe in, breathe out. It happens. It's good. But like this? That's terrible. You're not a plow, you know? That's terrible. Absolutely terrible. On some level, we get the light of life Inside, we get the light of Jesus in our hearts and we are illuminated. If you're not, something's broken. 
Something's broken. I'm not suggesting you need to walk around skipping, tossing rose petals. I just mean there should be some sort of countenance to you that suggests like you are what is different about you. You see, Christianity does not stand to offer answers to everybody's questions. Here's what it does. It creates questions and causes people to come and say, why in the world are you okay with what's going on around you? This is why you only hear Christians say things like this. Stage four cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. What? Getting fired from my job was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Why does that happen? Because there's something inside of it. There's something that is resilient in the spirit of Christ that moves inside of our heart, moves us forward and says, here's the other side of it. We can turn this thing into something good. There's hope in our heart. That's what makes us different. And the world comes and says, why are you okay with this? Because I have hope. Because I have hope. I'm not thrilled about this situation, but I do have hope. Last one. We commit to loving others regardless of their response. We commit to loving other people regardless, regardless of their response to Jesus. Here's what you see happen a lot of times inside the church, inside, inside of Christendom, okay? I really want to witness to this guy and I want to bring him to the Lord. And so we go to him and we... We witness to them and we invite them and they don't come and they don't come and they don't come and they don't come. And so here's what we do. <sighs> Tired of wasting my time. We are committed to loving the world in the condition that they are in. That's us. We are committed to that regardless. You see, heaven is not a great big scoreboard to where God is like, well, we got another one. 98, 99, 100. You are really racking them up, fella. It's not what it is. Our responsibility is to go and be Jesus in the life of other people. You read through the Gospels, and let me ask you, you read through the Gospels and, and, and come back and let me know if you ever hear Jesus say this. Do you want healed? Yes. Were you in church on Sunday? Are you tithing regularly? Did you fill out your visitor card? Well, how about a year of that and then we'll talk about a healing? How about that? Doesn't happen. Why? Because he was sent to love the world in the condition that it was in and to put it back together. We started with two questions. What is the most thoughtful gift you've ever received? Who's most influential in your spiritual formation? I want to leave you with two new questions. What will be the most thoughtful gift that you will give someone else what is the most thoughtful gift that you will give someone else and whose life will you influence and whose spiritual formation are you willing to sign up to be responsible for who are you going to impact on a spiritual level what gift are you going to give and who are you going to impact the world's broke and we are selfish mostly. And our responsibility is to go out into the world. Who are you going to impact? Here's my suggestion. We're going to talk some more about this here in, uh, uh, in a couple weeks. Um, 
Who's the one person that in your life right now, you need to pray for this person? I just need to pray for that person. You just need to pray for them. I may not see them through the week, but I need to pray for them. Um, let me give you this weird example, and then we'll close. Uh, anybody know who Kendrick Lamar is? Yeah? All right. So I'm listening to his new album. Um, it's really, really dark. It's a really dark album. Like his other stuff, I've really, I've really just dug it. Um, this one just, this one's dark. Sad. It's, uh, it's just dark. And I'm trying to listen to this album, and I finally just had to turn it off because it just was just so just gloomy. And it made me want to pray for Kendrick Lamar. I'm not going to see Kendrick Lamar this week. I'm not going to. I'm not going to see him. But he's prayed for. And that was my thought. Man, he sounds sad. He sounds sad and he sounds depressed. This, this, this is tough. I don't know. It bothered me. Who is in your life? Who are you going to pray for? Who needs to, who, who does God need to hear from and about? When you show up at the, at the gates of heaven and you go pounding on the door, Lord, I need to talk to you. Is this about you? No, 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 it's not about me. Then talk to me.